Hello, and welcome to The Canadian Story, where we discuss what Canada is, what Canada could be, and what Canada should be. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Canadian Story. My name is David Parker, and I'm just, uh, I'm absolutely thrilled to have our guest. I'm going to let him introduce himself, but uh, one of one of Quebec's most sought-after commentators uh, he is heavily involved in mining and Bitcoin. And why don't you introduce yourself to the to the listeners? Thank you, Zach. Uh, so Jonathan Amel, I'm uh, an executive in the uh, mining exploration business. I'm also involved in the various sector in the uh, of the economy, mostly uh, in the uh, free market uh, economy. I'm uh, involved in the Bitcoin community since the probably the very beginning in Canada. Here in Canada, I've been involved in the a few businesses, but uh, also acting as uh, as uh, as an advocate for this technology in various uh, media operations since uh, a few years. Um, also, an associate researcher at the Montreal Economic Institute. It's a think tank which uh, advocate uh, market solution for public policies. So uh, I'm also, as you see on my background, I'm an avid road cyclist. I uh, had the chance to uh, ride on pretty much every continent, and uh, that's that's it. I love it. I love it. So, um, so Zach and I are just, we're just, uh, we, we have so many questions, but the first one that I'd kind of like to ask is mining is such a key component of the Canadian story, right? Yeah. And you're, you're a heavily involved in that industry. We haven't had anyone on in the mining industry yet. So I'd just like to hear your thoughts, I guess, first on the role that mining plays in the Canadian economy, probably one of the, the most, if, or one of the most, if not the most important, but also what your experience has been like being involved in that uh, in that industry? Yes, uh, it's it's a part of the in, of the Canadian industry that we always what well, we tend to forget because it's it's not really visible. I mean, most of the mining happens either in northern part of Canada or in some remote region. But uh, mining is essential to pretty much everything that we do on an everyday basis. So uh, even when we talk about let's say renewable energy, uh, EV, like pretty much all the technology that we encounter has some part of mining in it. So uh, uh, personally, I'm involved into gold mining but there's uh, uh, various type of mining in Canada, industrial metals, there's copper, there's uh, there's iron in northern part of Quebec. So it's, uh, well, Canada in general is, the, co- the economy of Canada is very much tied to uh, commodity. So oil, uh, uh, f- uh, wood, uh, forestry, uh, gold is, uh, well, metals, metal, minerals and metals. So this is a huge part of our, of our GDP. Um this is also like the key, the key industry in various uh, region of uh, of Canada. Uh, let's say Sudbury, uh, uh, some part of Ontario, uh, uh, British Columbia, Quebec is one of the uh, one of the biggest gold mining camp in the world. So it's 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 essential. It's a huge part of the industry, and we don't talk about it. it it's it it. I would say like in the last 10, 15 years, it, it kind of went out of fashion because. Uh, uh, well, let's, let's shorten it out. Let's say the last five years on an investment basis, because there's a, let's say the new generation of investors, they have uh, like different opportunities uh, for investment. So let's crypto is one. Uh, marijuana was another one as well. So so mining has kind of get out of fashion, but it's still like very, very active. Uh, and there's a lot, a lot of value to be created in Canada. 
And one of the interesting things about mining that maybe you can share with the guest is the commodity cycle and how different that is than maybe other industries and how you kind of have to, you're engaging with almost the seasonality of life on a longer time scale than anyone else, right? In any other industry almost. No, absolutely. And uh, right now, the the cycle is very promis- promising for, for, for various metals like a uh, 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 um, iron is uh, at a year year eyes. Uh, same same for copper. Gold is uh, holding at a pretty much uh, above two thousand uh, dollars, close to two thousand dollars Canadian. While most of the producers are producing at uh, let's say less than uh, nine hundred eight hundred dollars Canadian per per ounces. So this is pretty uh, pretty interesting. It allows us. It allows the company also to to uh, evaluate the future projects with a better margin. So uh, definitely right now we're, uh, we're, we're entering, I think, a, a new super cycle regarding commodities. And uh, there's, there's no, um, there's no made up stories in mining. It's a very, it's, it's, it's funny to say, but it's a down to hurt uh, industry. So you really, you really <laughs> yes, work with, yes. uh, you work with numbers and you work with uh, economic feasibility so if there's an interest, there's going to be a mine. But uh, if if there's no economic feasibility, there's not going to be a mine. So it's you can you can find gold everywhere. Uh, uh, one of my mentor in the industry once told me that, uh, for example, where in Montreal, where I am, you could find gold if you drill uh, enough on the island. You can find gold, and at some point, gold would be econ- at, at some price of gold. At some price, gold would be economic to uh, to mine on the on the island. The point is. There's gold everywhere. It's just not economic to uh, economical to to mine it everywhere. So this is why we we tend to target uh, a bigger project that that makes the the, the building of a mine uh, uh, an, an, an economically uh, uh, profitable endeavor. Yeah, one of the things that I, I like about mining, and I'd like your thoughts on, is that like you said, it is so like you you're dealing with raw reality. Like yep. you can't. You can't fudge the numbers on a mine, really. I mean, you could try. You could do the whole hype thing, and there's that whole story about that guy in Calgary who, <clears throat> you know, invented that gold company that became like the darling of the industry, and then turns out yeah. he's a fraud. But at the end of the day, you're 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 just you're prolonging the inevitable because mining is going to hit you in the face with reality. No, absolutely. And, and uh, this is a this is a big story, the Briex story. Uh, I was uh, I was too young to be involved, but uh, my family w- was involved in uh, mining for generations. And uh, the Brayex story uh, it actually helped to shape the regulation the the regulation in the industry regarding the the disclosure of assays and results. Because this is the uh, if you saw them a good res- resume of the of the of the scandal. If you see the movie Gold, there's a movie about which is yeah uh, Matthew McConaughey, by- right? Isn't it? I think. It- yeah, it's, and it's just yeah, awesome. It's, yeah. yeah, it's Matthew McConaughey. It's inspired by the Briex story. And what they did, uh, they, uh, they, I think it was in Indonesia, part of the Southeast Asia, and uh, they uh, found a mine. And what they, the guy was doing, it was uh, in the industry, we call that salting. So it was spreading uh, samples of gold on on the samples that it was sending to the lab, and of course, I mean the the results were out of this world. So there was, a, I think, there was a potential of two hundred million ounces of gold in the project at some point, and uh, of course, at some point, uh, uh, the the fraud was discovered. Uh, the stock totally collapsed. But not not only the stock. I mean, the whole industry was affected by that. And after that, Canada led the way to uh, establish a new new standards for. To uh, to let's say to to have a better framework to make sure that the, the disclosure of assays of result 
are really verified. So you cannot you cannot say whatever you want. I mean, when you disclose ass, assays and result, this is like a, pretty much the, the, it's a done by geologists. Geologists now they pretty much have to sign with their blood uh, when they disclose results. So they, nobody wants to be associated with the fraud or with a, a project that 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 tells uh, that doesn't tell the truth. So right now this is much more doesn't say that I'm, I'm not saying it's not happening anymore. It's definitely some some stories that are a little bit made up, but uh, most of the of the industry right now it's 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 much much better than before. And it's interesting to watch from an outsider perspective because, like you said, uh, most of these mines can produce in the 900 to 1,000 right now. So we're seeing huge profit potential, but we're not yet seeing massive runs on the stocks. Do you, do you credit that with what you were saying earlier? There's so many options right now with Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, so you just, the, the, just well, capital has so many places. Yeah, that's to go. A, I'm, I'm kind of like I'm both of the both of the sides of the table right here. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but, you are, you are, which is an interesting position to be well, in. But I, I like like there's a debate between gold and Bitcoin. I like both because they both have the same, I would say, uh, kind of like the same value proposition. But uh, definitely, there's uh, there's more than a trillion dollars in Bitcoin right now that didn't go to gold, and there is a there's a few uh, Bitcoin ETF that has been launched in the last uh, year. Uh, that money didn't didn't go to gold, but there's still there's still value, especially in Canada and especially in Quebec. For there's there, there's there's like there's a few very interesting mining project that that I I still think that is going to create uh, values for the shareholder and the the region that they're going to be uh, developed. Uh, this, there's still a lot of them. There's a, there's a lot of capital. Let's say like in the I think in the last quarter it wasn't the first quarter. I think close to a billion dollar or is the last uh, not sure of the time frame, but close to a billion dollars when. It, was invested in uh, exploration uh, uh, and, a, and and I think close to forty percent of that was in uh, was in Quebec. So it's uh, it's uh, it's 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 really interesting to see. Like and and here in Quebec, nobody talks about that. Like it's nobody talks about this industry. It's uh, no, it's, it's hundreds no. of millions. It's um, there's a, a new mine built in ABTB right now, and uh, it's, nobody talks about that. Like it's uh, it's 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 pretty big as numbers, like uh, in in, uh, in in absolute and relative numbers in the economy. It's pretty impressive, but uh, definitely there's other stories out there. Uh, uh, there's uh, it's 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 more complex as well. It's longer, like investing in gold. It's a longer story as well. So it's uh, right. building a mine is a 10, 12 year story. So it's uh, it's a different cycle. Yeah, this is this isn't a tech startup because you need to actually dig it out of the ground and process it. Yeah, this is a and also like a, as an investor myself, you saw like in the last year, like since the lockdown reality. Uh, you saw the techs, uh, the tech companies. I mean, the valuation were, were, was uh, went sky high, and it's kind of like decoupled for the from the rest of the industry. Now we're seeing like a, 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 we're starting to see a comeback from the traditional industry. So the the Dow, the so the the components of the Dow, so industrial, the staples, they're 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 coming back. And uh, tech has more trouble right now, but uh, still, this, this is I think this is big a big part of the story uh, since last year. I would, yeah, I, I want you to dig more into that. Why do you think we're headed that way? And also, you're at MEI, so you always, I'm sure you have thoughts on government spending, inflationary pressures, and where we're kind of, I'd love to, and then with your Bitcoin knowledge, I'd just like to pick your brain on what you think's happening with inflation. Yeah. Do you, uh, all of, everyone's asking these questions. Are we headed for hyperinflation? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, the, the the, the the inflation situation in Canada, just to give you uh, a um, a background, 
the Bank of Canada was one of the most active uh, uh, central bank in the world. I mean, the monetary policy in the last uh, the last year, uh, in proportion of their asset, uh, the Bank of Canada was one of the most active in the world. It's one of the, one of the well, Canada in general. This is the country that's it's the country that spend the most for, yeah, for measure yeah. uh, for COVID measures. So uh, it's it's insane. Like it's not even comparable to what happened in the U.S. And already the U.S. Uh, they announced today like a six trillion. So it's insane. Like the budget, uh, the deficit. Oh yeah, it's, it's the, the biggest, the biggest went from yeah, biggest budget increase since World War World Two. So and Canada proportionally, it's bigger. So it's insane. Uh, so the, the inflation, it's a complex story because the way we measure it, so by the CPI and it's kind of like tea leaves reading. Uh, economists say, no, look, there's no inflation. We only have small numbers. It's gonna be only gonna be temporary. But like when you look at like the last year. Uh, first of all, like uh, the price of lumber, I think went up three or four times. Uh, price of price of oil doubled. Price of corn doubled. Price of uh, I think copper, copper, iron, pretty much every commodity at least double. So there is that. There's already inflation in the system. Look at real estate. Every every asset is inflating, but uh, and people like it's the probably the first crisis where people going to get outside of we're going to exit this crisis with more money in their pocket this is uh this is insane this is this is also yeah, adding yeah. to the inflationary, inflationary pressure and one it's a it's a, i mean it's trivial but uh i bought this bike and it was the like the last one there's a, there's a shortage in pretty much every industry so if you try to buy a car there's some type of car that that they're out of stock Pretty much the biking industry, it's insane. Uh, you, they cannot find like you can buy the frame, but the components they didn't expect the the the, the buying pressure of last year because everybody was stuck. Oh, right, or, yeah, they're they're like, well, I need a bike because I need to yeah, do something. I, I have nothing yeah. else to do, so I'm gonna buy a bike. So every bike from beginner's bike to twenty thousand dollar bikes, they're all sold. So there's like until and they they plan that until it's gonna last until like beginning of twenty twenty three. So it's insane. Like uh, the, the 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 supply chain, they didn't expect this uh, this sudden lockdown with this raise of uh, income for a lot of people that they weren't able to to spend on things that they do. Let's say a restaurant, a travel. So that's a lot of money that uh, uh, sleeping in uh, in people's savings account. And at some point, it's just rushing to 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 find uh, to find some things to buy, but there's shortage there's shortage of real estate as well. I mean, this is why the price is uh, going up so so much. Um, here you see, like in the in the neighborhood of Montreal and even Quebec City, you see like a single family home. I mean, they uh, selling uh, twice or three tri- three times the price above uh, estimation, the value. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. So so you would definitely say you see inflation on the horizon. And I think I would definitely agree with you on that. Do you mind, like, just for the listeners, for a, for a, from a simple perspective, because they're not, not all of them are into economics mm-hmm. and things like that, describing what you think w- w- the government's doing wrong and maybe how it could have been done right and then maybe how we fix it? Well, I think the, uh, it's a complex story because let's say in the last year, I think there was there were, and now we we start to see like the difference between how states uh, reacted to the uh, pandemic, and we see states where they 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 they, they pretty much put the uh, the responsibility of uh, managing the risk to the individual, the organization, the families. Instead, Canada went, uh, I mean, full China mode. I mean, we went from uh, top down. 
uh, authoritarian measure. Well, mostly the provinces here in Quebec. It was uh, it was actually insane. We're still yeah. there's still a curfew in curfew, Quebec. Curfew, like, a curfew. It's gonna expire tomorrow. Like, I don't understand. But, uh, it at all. There's still a curfew. We we had one of the most authoritarian uh, measure in uh, probably the world. Uh, and uh, it, it, we basically and it's it's fun because I had this discussion earlier. And uh, the lockdown, what is it in in reality? Is is government is seizing property from entrepreneur so the restaurant yes. owner they were seized yes. from their property and uh most of them were were partly uh paid for uh, their rent but uh, i mean money is not created out of thin air so people were paid to stay home uh business owner were paid for uh to for for uh, wage subsidies yeah uh there are many industries that were uh, also receiving subsidies so there's there is this uh all this money was what was taken somewhere and uh, in terms of uh, the federal the federal side most of the money came from money printing this is i think one yeah. of the first time uh, uh in the few years that the the the, the most part of the, the 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 federal budget came from 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 financing and not from income taxes or corporate income yeah, taxes yeah the majority yeah the majority this of is the impressive. budget yeah uh yeah so uh, Pierre Poiliev is, uh, is is very good on that. Uh, he did a, a few uh, a few a few clip on it. One of very good explaining what I think uh, 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 one uh, I think twenty dollars of wood was last year compared to this year, and you see the difference. This is the inflation, and uh, people the salary of most people didn't uh, didn't inflated uh, proportionally to that inflation. So I think first uh, to, to answer your question, first I think we overreacted to this. Uh, a pandemic after after uh, I mean we can't give the benefit of the doubt from for the first month because we yeah, didn't know yeah absolutely nobody I mean, knew like, yeah. it's, it's been like why it's 15 16 months and we're still need, the, the borders still close uh we cannot do whatever we want here uh, most of the sectors are still closed or partly closed and there there is a direct effect on the economy you cannot manage top down an economy and open it and close it like a switch uh, this morning, there was an interesting tweet by the premier of Quebec who was saying, like, uh, congratulations, the, the price, the, the wage are rising in the uh, restaurant business. But the, raise, the wages are rising because there's a shortage of people. Right. There's a, there's yeah, because everyone's of, getting $2,000 a month. They don't need it. They don't want to go work yeah, at a restaurant. Yeah, there's a shortage right? of people because they were subsidized not to work. And people, because the restaurant were open and closed, open and closed in the last, let's say, 15 months. So people that they don't have any incentives to go back to work to restaurants. So this is this is the kind of like economic thinking that we're facing. Like it's money has no object. We're we're just making up uh, like programs to support people and businesses, and everybody's happy. Like everybody, like every industries, they found a way to get out better of this this pandemic. This is this is insane. This is gonna be a, this is gonna we're gonna have consequence uh, from that. And it's already starting to. Uh, you see like the bank of Canada is already making allusion to potential, uh, uh, raise, uh, the raise of the, the, the raise of the rates, uh, potentially before the U S. So this is going to hit, hit us at some point. Yeah. And it's one of those things where modern monetary theory doesn't make any sense to me, right? Like it's just, it's this idea that you can print. If everyone just agrees that we're just going to print yeah. and nobody calls out the debts and everyone just keeps loaning each other money, that everything will be fine and we'll we'll grow our way out of this. But like you said, the U.S. had I think it was sixteen trillion dollars of debt before this started, and by the end of next year, it's going to have forty five trillion. Yeah, and, and we're now even they're, worse. they're above a hundred percent debt to GDP ratio. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Like that that to put that in comparison to the listeners, that's like having your 
not only just your spending, but your debt be more than your income, gross income. In one year. Yeah. In one in year. In one year. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like buying a house and you have a couple paying it for 30 years. It's like, it's no. like a sudden raise in... Uh, <laughs> No, this is this is worrying, and um, like modern modern monetary theory, it's pretty insane. Because I I had a t- I gave a talk two years ago at uh, a private bank here uh, in Montreal, and uh, uh, I said, Look, pay attention because this this narrative, the modern modern monetary theory, it was it was a fringe uh, uh, it was a fringe yeah. theory like two three years ago, and I say pay attention because it's increasingly becoming part of the mainstream narrative. Uh, and it's it's very dangerous. I mean, it's it's. I mean, what Canada's doing? It's well, it's not modern modern monetary theory because we still monetize the debt, which they don't yeah. do. With mo- so in modern no. modern monetary theory, basically, you print the money and you deposit it in the <laughs> at the treasury. So yeah. they, they don't mess with <laughs> bonds and uh, obligation. They just they just uh, they just print it right away. Which is kind of honest in some kind of way because they don't pretend to to have some kind yeah, of yeah. Uh, reservation <laughs> deal about, uh, or anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I kind of like that that part. Like it's they don't they don't have some kind of theater about like uh, selling that obligation. No, no, they right. just, they just yeah. print it right away. <laughs> yeah, <So, laughs> yeah. there's an interesting but part. But uh, well, uh, that's the interesting part of this whole fiat versus Bitcoin, and I'd love to go into that now. Is like so so you're. I love that you're on the front lines of gold and Bitcoin because that's such a different uh, synergy to have than most people. Like most people are like gold or Bitcoin, yeah. right? Well, there's 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 advantage and uh, I would say uh, inconvenient in both. But uh, I would say that in the next, let's say, in the next ten years, uh, purely on the asset, uh, Bitcoin's gonna there, there's probably more upsides in Bitcoin purely than than, than gold because gold is probably not gonna do. Not probably not gonna do like ten or fifteen or twenty x. Bitcoin right. can do that. Yeah. Uh, well, it's probably is gonna have some some uh, drawback as well. But it's this is uh, uh, this is this is looking pretty good so far. Uh, the the value proposition be, between like common in both asset is really the the uh, the difficulty of raising the supply of both yes. gold and Bitcoin. Right. Uh, so gold and Bitcoin. So there's also like this. Uh, when there's an inflationary pressure, you want to uh, take uh, take uh, find safe haven in assets that are limited in numbers. So this is why people try to find find uh, real estate. Real estate yeah. is the same art, uh, collective collective collectible car, vintage, like everything that is in limited supply uh, in an inflationary pressure is interesting as an investor. So so right now there's a. I think the market don't fully appreciate the value proposition of Bitcoin. So people say, "What? What? Why Bitcoin does it have value when you when we, you can create like a thousand other coins?" And it's pretty much the same with gold. I mean, why gold has value, and why the gold the price of gold is higher than the price of iron? This is this is kind of like the same debate because the price of gold, well, gold has very very specific values and properties that are not present in in iron. Iron and much more. It's much more easier to find. Uh, same thing as uh, the way I explain it, uh, uh, like uh, responding to the critics that uh, the creation of a new cryptocurrency, let's say, would would remove value, would take value from Bitcoin. Uh, you have, uh, I think there's a t- uh, 20, uh, 1962 and 1963 uh, Ferrari 250 GTO. They're priced at around uh, $50 million US each at this point. This is a, one of the most expensive car ever made. 
So do you think that when Ford is producing, uh, let's say, uh, Ford Focus or... Right, say, right, yes, Do you think yes. it removed value from the, the, the <laughs> no, Ford 250 yeah. GTO? No, so yeah. this, is, this is why actually, this is why people buy these cars because they're unique. There's lim- they're limited in numbers. So this is pretty much the same uh, value proposition for, for Bitcoin and gold. I like that. So so t- I want you to walk us through. You said you've been involved with the Bitcoin industry since kind of it came to Canada. How did you get involved? Tell us about that journey. What is it like on the, going on the ups and downs, watching immense amounts of wealth be created essentially in this new industry out of thin air? Walk us through yeah. that journey. Uh, well, initially, I wasn't... Uh, firstly, I, I wrote it off. I, I, I read a, a little bit about it, but I, I didn't fully understand at the beginning because I didn't understand how Bitcoin was actually a, a fully open source a protocol. I thought it was some kind of, not I would not say company, but some kind of organization that were trying to pitch something. And I didn't really pay attention, some kind of PayPal, open source PayPal. So I, I didn't really pay attention, but I it came back the second times. I came like publicly involved in it in let's say 2012, 2013. So when it came back in 2013 at like a thousand plus, now I I really started to pay more attention and I dig down, I, I dig uh, deep down into like uh, why Bitcoin does work, why 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 does it have value, why does people like in, investing money in that, and and then I understood like uh, holy shit, it's like um. I have a background in tech and I was uh, I was comparing the way I, when I understood the, the value proposition of Bitcoin on the technical aspect is when I under, I realized it was an open source project with multiple contributor, no central authority. And it really reminds me of uh, Linux. So Linux is a project that was launched as a competitor, an open source uh, operating system. But there's uh, like thousands of contributor to, uh, to, to, to Linux and uh, you, you, you install it, you do whatever you want with it. And uh, Bitcoin is pretty much the same, but Bitcoin is even more than Linux. It's pretty much like TCP/IP because it's a protocol. It's right. a protocol for money. And uh, once you realize that, you realize that there's not not much of a competition because, as uh, as compared with TCP/IP, things were built on top of TCP/IP. People didn't like. Well, at at the beginning of the internet, there was a competition between a few uh, a few protocol. There was Gopher. There was a, so at the end, one protocol won, and everybody built on top of this protocol. I think the same is gonna is going to happen with Bitcoin. Actually, uh, there's gonna be like an industry, and it's already happening. I mean, there's an industry trying to be built on top of Bitcoin, and not uh, not even like talking about all the other coins. Like Bitcoin as a standard of either an asset or a payment mechanism. There's an industry being built on top of that. So I was I was I was attracted by that. I was also digging small uh, slowly into like the monetary aspect. And uh, for as long as, uh, as long, both of my parents were entrepreneurs. I was kind of like raised into the entrepreneurial uh, mindset, very like uh, individual uh, liberties, but responsibility as well. So I was always like a, uh, in a classical sense of the term, a liberal in the term of uh, classically uh, speaking, not in the uh, North American definition of the term. So mostly that conservative in in, uh, North America. So I, I paid a lot of, of attention to, to, to freedom of expression, uh, censorship resistance. And it, uh, when I remember something that, that impressed me is at the beginning, you, you may remember uh, WikiLeaks when the, the, uh, they started to, to publish like confidential, conf, uh, confidential information about like stuff that was happening in Iraq and, 
it was and, and they became the targets of government, especially the U.S. government. And at some point, WikiLeaks lost all of its payment mechanisms. So people, WikiLeaks, right? Yeah, they they cut them off on yeah, everything. They cut, them off, they cut them off from credit cards. They cut them off from PayPal. And at some point, they said, "Well, we're going to receive Bitcoin if you want." So people started to 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 pay Bitcoin to to uh, WikiLeaks. So that was like a, a pretty pretty uh, convincing demonstration. And slowly but surely, I started to. Uh, joined the, there was like meetups here in Montreal and I started to pay attention. This is a very complex, uh, so you, you just like, it's, a, it's like a going on an internet forum. You just, uh, you, uh, you lurk at the beginning, you, you, you come and you, you listen to the information. And at some point you ask some question, but this is a very, very interesting, uh, rabbit hole to be, to be exploring. And I'm still learning like every day about it. It's a very complex, but this is a very welcoming community. It's like pretty much like every open source community or every like open society. It's, it's, it's very interesting to be honest. So what do you see? Uh, so this ecosystem that's being built uh, and also being involved so early, you probably, you're like a hardened veteran now to the ups and downs. Like some people are like, Oh, Bitcoin's crashed. And you're like, Oh, I remember when it was 400 bucks or whatever. Like you're not, what was it like to watch these people, these early adopters and the wealth that they suddenly came into? And how did that impact people that you like people who, who believed in something and, and committed it to that thing yeah. and what, like watching that happen? What was that like from a sociological perspective? Uh, it's, well, it's interesting because that, well, there's a lot of people that got crazy and uh, they spent it all like in the first wave of either 2013 or 2017, 18. But most of the hardcore Bitcoiners uh, at heart, they don't spend anything because they have this mindset of what we call low time preference. Because we know that as a hard money holder, the money is going to only become more valuable. And there's a, like insane story. As I have a friend who bought in 2000, I think it was 2012 or 11, he bought a, a crossbow for four for 500 bitcoins uh, on the internet <laughs> so now he has the crossbow in the right. box in his closet and he takes about it uh, there's, there's, there's like an story uh once we we were at the steakhouse and the guy i uh, was with him he said, hey i know a guy who was into bitcoin ears there was the waiter so he's like tell us a story so the guy at the time he sold six thousand bitcoin to buy uh, um, what's hydroponic uh, plant to no. to grow stuff, <laughs> and and the guy totally like forgot about it and say, oh, what price is it now? I was like, no, you don't want to know that. What what price is it? No. It was like uh, last year. So, uh, so the guy was a multi-millionaire. Uh, well, hundreds of Would million have been. actually. Oh, so it's a life. So, so well, here's the thing: like people, pe people never knew. Like, like you probably heard about the story of two guy buying two pizza for ten thousand yes. bitcoin. So people yeah. so at the beginning was like collectibles, right? Uh, same for like the the rise the rise of Dogecoin in the last few it's true. weeks. It's true, Dogecoin. People were sending like hundred thousands of Dogecoin on 4chan for fun. Like it, it was, it was created as a joke. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's, it's insane. Like, uh, it's, so, so this is this is uh, probably the this is the byproduct of, of of Bitcoin bull market. All the other coins they come in and they come out. But I would say that the 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 main lesson is most of the hardcore Bitcoiner they don't spend a lot. This is like most it's very frugal people. They don't spend on cars. They don't spend on on bullshit. They they try to like spend their fiat money first and keeping the their money in Bitcoin. So this is this is actually a, this is probably a very very good influence on the millennial uh, the millennial generation and maybe younger that 
it's going to bring back the the the, the, the philosophy of savings. Yes, because right. uh, this is instead uh, of just this debt, is, debt, this debt. is absolutely the contrary of the fiat economy that you have to borrow to spend. You spend more that you earn. And Bitcoin is quite a contrary. I mean, uh, it's you try to keep the because you you think that your 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 well you have the you have a good idea that the not only your 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 proportion of 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 money that you own on the total supply of money, it's not going to change. No. And probably that's going to make the value go up uh, in time. Right. Or, or price of things go down. So it's always going to be more expensive to spend now. So were you were you involved in this Doge uh, uprising? Like, did well, you, I, no. I saw well, I saw like multiple coins. Uh, I, 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 I was at the very beginning of Ethereum as well. I mean, uh, uh, we I think we met Vitalik here in, the, in Montreal. It was in the early 2014, 13. Uh, I saw Ether as like at like a fifty cents. It's uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. we, we actually saw the, one of the first pitch of Ethereum. Uh, so since it was a beginning. Well, the, the first one of the first major conference consensus in two thousand fifteen. There was like 200, 300 people, and now this is an industry with right. uh, thousands of right. people with bankers. The, uh, GP Morgan, like it's insane in New York. It's, it's one of the biggest financial event in the in New York uh, on a yearly basis. So it's. Uh, it went from like meetups in uh, like uh, small rooms with anarchists. And there was also like some people from the left. It was actually funny. And uh, from like a totally new asset class with trillion dollar market cap with bankers. And uh, and you and, watched all of this yeah, happen. Yeah, we watched so. all of this happen. This is, uh, <laughs> yeah. this is insane. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is insane. Yeah. Uh, so so what, what was it like to like, because not a lot of people get to say they were at the beginning of something, right? Uh, but you get you get to say that basically you were you've been in since the beginning. What well, are the what are the things that have changed? Would you say? Uh, well, this is much. I would say this is the technology now. It's much better. I mean, uh, like the wallets. It's much easier to to also to buy and sell. This is like there's a, if you if you want to have have exposure to Bitcoin, you can have like there's funds. Uh, like at the beginning, there was only a few exchange. Uh, most of them were scams. Uh, uh, it was it was it was it was there, there's a reason why like technology tech savvy people were first in that because right. it was so complicated uh like the, at some point like the the, the mount gox uh story the, yeah. it was pretty much the only exchange in the world and it was I was going to ask you about that yeah and then it yeah. disappeared yeah it disappeared and uh there was no price for bitcoin anymore so this is uh this is insane so imagine like uh, all the stocks market disappear uh, overnight and people <laughs> yeah. have millions in, in their uh and you can't portfolio. sell it you can't sell exactly. anything exactly so uh that was that was a big story now the, i would say the ecosystem it's much richer. Uh, it's very good. Uh, it's going to only get better. The technology as well. It's uh, it's evolving now. Where we're seeing potential evolution of Bitcoin for instant payments, like low fees, instant payments with Lightning. Uh, this is this is a game changer for many industries, like uh, internet payments, content. Let's say like the monetization of podcasts like yours. People yeah, can pay right. yeah. uh, one satoshi per second for listening, and if they don't like it, they stop and they, they stop paying. So instant uh, uh, internet payments is a very very interesting trend. Uh, it was there was none of it. Let's say uh, let's say five years, even like five years ago. So the, the no. technology advanced. I think the, the the market is more mature as well. Uh, I would say that also like the the, the regulatory uh, framework in Canada so far it's pretty good. Uh, I don't think we need additional laws or regulation. This is right now. I think it's pretty good in terms of uh, anti money laundering. That's the, the, the I think the adequate uh, uh, the adequate measures are in place. But uh, it's it's only going to get better. 
So I, I love this. And I actually, there's a, a few things. I, I wanted to hear what your thoughts were on the Mount Gox thing, but more importantly on Elon Musk's recent tweet. It's obviously yeah. very, uh, and, and what you think, was that what did, what happened to Bitcoin? Was that caused by a tweet? I tend not to think that. <clears throat> and also, what do you think of the 51% rule mm. and like the fears surrounding that? And maybe Peter Thiel's statement about um, saying anything on, or that the Chinese could use it as uh, Bitcoin as a weapon against America. Yeah, it was kind of misquoted about, about that because it's, it's generally like very bullish on Bitcoin. But the first on uh, on Elon Musk, uh, it's the guy is kind of, is, it's interesting as a guy, he's completely out of control. I mean, he's, he's tweeting all the time. Uh, it's sometimes about X, sometimes about Y. So it's very hard to follow as a, uh, first, the guy, the guy is, he's like the CEO of a multi-billion dollars yeah. company. <laughs> yeah, Not, yeah. Nothing. I mean, even me, like as, as, uh, as an executive, I'm not going to tweet like about market stuff concerning no. my company on the internet uh, no, all the time. No, no, I mean, no. it's, it's, it's actually amazing that he, he is able to, uh, to, uh, to deal with that. Um, uh, I, I I don't think that the, the correction was entirely tied to that because like remember for quite like for more than a month we were between like 15 50k and 60k so so market was starting to get fraudy so we were kind of due for a correction anyway and uh, because of, it's 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 a relatively small market like Bitcoin is under a trillion dollars what close to a trillion dollars. Uh, so it's very like the, the the stock market is hundred trillion. Gold is yeah. ten trillion. So you don't need a big news, and it's trading twenty four hours a day, yes. seven yeah. days a week. So you don't need a big catalyst to send it up or send it down. So it, it's much better than before. Before you could see like fifty percent uh, like drawback, but we we tend to not see it anymore. Like there was a 40 uh, correction from the top sixty two to uh, I think it went back to. Uh, 34 or something um so uh yeah so it's but i don't think it's entirely attributable to attributed to to elon musk uh elon fell into the traditional uh i'm new to bitcoin the the, the fallacy I'm, I'm new to bitcoin and i want to fix bitcoin thing right so this right. is like uh here's the want to fix bitcoin but like bitcoin doesn't care i mean at the end of the day there's a bitcoin has slain a few dragon in the past <laughs> right uh, we had right. roger ver we had uh, Gian Vu. well Back in 2017, there was an active group of uh, Bitcoin companies, miners that tried, that they colluded to try to change the consensus, the, the consensus rules of Bitcoin, and they, and they failed. So it was pretty much demonstrated that the miners they don't control Bitcoin. The Bitcoin user who runs Node control Bitcoin. This is a pretty right. big statement. And now uh, this is very very bullish for Bitcoin. This is this is how. Uh, Key uh, uh, technical upgrades in Bitcoin have been have been done in the past. Um, it's kind of related with the fifty one percent attack as well because it's, it's it happened in a few times where a few pools and even like one pool was close to fifty percent and they voluntaries voluntarily uh, divide themselves because they don't want to to have that power and and miners they are the first to have the all the incentive not to do a 51% attack because they have billion now they have billions of dollars of equipment and incentive and market cap on the stock market some of them are publicly listed now so if bitcoin collapses all the industry all their industry collapses and for them it's always this is the genius between the, the behind the proof of work uh, mechanism in bitcoin it's always more prof- profitable to mine uh, honestly in bitcoin 
So right. you, if you deploy uh, capital in, in in Bitcoin mining, you're gonna you're gonna you you want to mine the the longest chain. You want to mine Bitcoin. This is why people this is why people drop Bitcoin Cash and all, and all the other coins because it's much more uh, cost efficient to mine uh, to mine Bitcoin. Uh, so so the mining thing is is very very well. It's, it's not well understood by the market because let's say the, the after the the big crash from the Elon tweet or whatever what it, that was, uh, pretty much all the miners went down. Like the miners, the in the stock market went 10, 15, 20 to 30 percent. But the thing is, it can be more profitable for a Bitcoin miner if the price go down. So let's say if the price go down 20 percent, let's say the, no, let's say the price go down 10 percent, and the difficulty in the next uh, cycle goes down 15 percent. Uh, they're gonna mine more Bitcoin, so they're gonna do five percent more profit by mining Bitcoin, and people don't right. realize that. Right. People, uh, like the market is not fully mature right now, so they don't pay attention to the difficulty adjustment. Uh, it's it's a complex market. Compare, let's uh, say, uh, to, uh, to can you to can the, you explain? I don't actually even know about that. Can you explain to me what the difficulty adjustment is and how that works? Yeah, this is uh, I, I, it's my favorite part of Bitcoin. To me, it's like <laughs> it's the genius part of Bitcoin. Right. So, so it. Uh, Satoshi in the well, in the well, it's, it was built like after the white paper, but in a way that, not, notwithstanding, if you have one or hundred thousand miners, Bitcoin's not going to be mined more quickly. Like you, you, well, at some point it can be mined more quickly, but the, the emission schedule of the Bitcoin, uh, it's fixed in time. It's pretty much known. It's like it's going to follow a curve, which is deflationary in time. But uh, there's there's an. Uh, Difficulty adjustment period in Bitcoin. So every 2016 block, so every a block is pretty much every 10 minutes. Uh, it's around every two weeks. So every two weeks, the Bitcoin network, uh, the Bitcoin software actually look at the is the are the Bitcoin blocks being mined faster than 10 minutes or slower than 10 minutes. So if they're mined slower than 10 minutes, it's because the hash rate went down uh, compared to the previous difficulty adjustment. And it's the, the the complete opposite if the if it if it's faster, so the the difficulty of mining Bitcoin blocks is going to go up proportionally to make to bring back the block time to ten minutes. So this is a this is a way to make sure the emission of Bitcoin will follow the schedule. So this is uh, this is amazing because I, I have a friend who was was one of the founder of a, one of the biggest mining company and was telling me. It's amazing. He said when I start when he started mining, he had like a few miners in his in his basement. And at the time, the mining company had maybe a valuation of, let's say, 100 millions. Uh, and he said, I was mining the same amount of Bitcoin in my basement with my a few miners that we mine now with, let's right. say, a uh, uh, $10 million uh, electricity bill per month. So, oh. but, but the price of Bitcoin is higher. The price of Bitcoin is higher, but they mine less Bitcoin. Because uh, also, if you add to that, there's the difficulty adjustment. But every four years... The, the the Bitcoin rewards per block mine uh, is cut by half. So uh, it used to be 50 Bitcoin, 25, 12.5, uh, and now it's uh, 6.25 uh, Bitcoin per block plus the fees that are mined in the block, that are plus the fees of all the transaction in the block. So at the end of the day, uh, somewhere around 2,140, I think, there's not going to be any Bitcoin emitted every blocks. So the miner, they're going to be entirely financed by the the fees. Uh, so this is a fascinating industry, and uh, there's there's a very good parallel with the mining and the gold mining industry because at the margin, 
there is some miners that 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 start that stops to be profitable. Let's say the right. the price of Bitcoin, like in 2018, it was actually the perfect storm because the price of Bitcoin went down 80 percent, and the mining difficulty went up 400 percent. Oh wow! So you had to you, you had to like a pretty good cash flow to make sure that the, so miners they they got into debt, they they bought machine. This is like the cycle. People sell their miners, and this is. People that took risk to buy mining equipment in the, the, the bottom of the cycle, now they make a lot of money because right, uh, it's, right. it's paying back. So there's a, a very interesting cycle about difficulty adjustment. It's the same about gold. So gold price goes up, more gold is mined, more gold in the market. Uh, economy cycle moves on, gold price goes down. Some miners are uh, not profitable anymore because the, the price of gold is not not high enough. They stop, they stop mining. Stock of stock of gold go up, go down, prices go up. So this is this is pretty this much is the all cycle. the same concept. Yeah, this is the cycle. Yeah, yeah. But the difficulty adjustment in Bitcoin to me is like it's the genius part of it. It's this right because it's almost like if it's like saying, oh, if you're mining gold and suddenly the price drops, it's like we'll just make the difficulty lower because. Or we'll we'll make it easier to get gold out of the ground. It's essentially what it is. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's like an uh, I would say an emulation of the difficulty of mining gold, but it's entirely predictable. Yeah, and yeah. So, wow. so, so so there's a race. Actually, we know that there's going to be X amount of Bitcoin left. I think this is now uh, pretty much like eighty uh, percent of Bitcoins are mined or more. And uh, so we know that there's 20% left for Bitcoin. There's a few Bitcoin. I think there's uh, there. I think there's four million Bitcoin left to be mined. So we know we know it's there. Uh, we know the schedule. So if you have energy sources somewhere and you have access to uh, mining equipment, you it's actually f- not free money, but this is is going to create money. Yeah. And this is amazing in Canada because we have abundant uh, source of energy. And there's very interesting use cases, especially in the Western part of Canada, uh, a very interesting entrepreneur in Bitcoin called uh, Stephen Barber. He founded a company called Upstream Data. So Upstream Data, uh, Stephen is a, is a mechanical engineer, I think, in the oil and gas business. Um, so he started a business to, what he's doing is building generator and small portable data centers. And he, uh, he sell this, this equipment to uh, oil and gas business that has equipment. They have equipment which is stranded. Let's say Northern Alberta. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, well, now it's pretty much everywhere in North America. But the fact that they cannot export this gas, like we, we don't have a pipeline, There's uh, it's expensive. So sometimes they can produce electricity and sell it on a grid. Sometimes they can. But so a, a good a good plan B is to install a generator and mine Bitcoin instead of flaring the gas. And oh, creating yeah. More. So, yeah, this is very, very interesting. Now is expanding and uh, selling to various like oil and gas companies. So the, board, the bottom of the story is wherever you have a loss or an excessive source of energy, there's an incentive to mine Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is making the earth greener because yeah. energy, which is, uh, which is abundant everywhere, like in, in Quebec, we we are wasting one billion dollar a year with excessive uh, capacity production in hydro that we cannot sell. So we have mm. to let the water go through the dam without turbine without the turbine uh, turning. So this is like money actually being thrown right, in the water. Right, that's energy just and, being and let the go. Same the same province uh, refused to have more Bitcoin miners that are 
contributing like to the public treasury by paying their electricity bill. This is the kind of stupid public policy that <laughs> yeah. makes me mad. Yeah. yeah. So this yeah, is why you have to have just more a great opportunity for innovation. There. Yeah. Yeah. This is why you don't. This is why one. I'm amazed when people say, "Well, we should nationalize uh, gold mines and we should nationalize <laughs> like the lithium mines." Well, l- look at the federal government. They cannot even fix like a software to pay their own employees. So you want them to build a <laughs> yeah. two, two billion dollars mine in northern no, Quebec? No. <laughs> yeah. They, well, look at the look at the pipeline. They, 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 yeah. They, they, well, exactly. They, look at Line Five. Might just shut down Eastern Ontario. Who knows? It's or Western so, Ontario. So it's it's a very inefficient uh, way of managing things, like the public, purely public uh, infrastructure. So this is why the entrepreneurial system, when there is private interest, people are going to look at the efficiency of the process. They're going to make, and people are, I mean, uh, people, they have skin in the game. They're going to make sure that it's going to work and it's going to be economically viable. Yes, absolutely. Well, we try to keep this, uh, I could keep going on this for hours, but we try to keep this below an hour for the listeners. So um, I guess there's a final question that we didn't even get to, but what do you love about Canada? What do I love about Canada? Okay, let let me think about it. Uh, The thing is, well, it's it's kind of under attack right now, but uh, I would say like the the freedom of movements and expression that we have in Canada. I mean, it's, there's not really borders between states, and this is why everything that's happening right now is very frightening to me. Like there's precedent with like uh, we closed the Quebec and Ontario border like uh, yeah. a month ago. Yeah. I mean, there's not <laughs> even a border, for different and we, we invented one. <laughs> Yeah. So the, the the and I think it's getting better also on the on the front of like uh, the, the the mobility of the workforce between the provinces. There's things like the the MEI has done multiple papers on that. But generally, uh, the economy is well integrated. Uh, the the uh, the ease that we have to move within Canada, uh, people are generally nice. This is actually a joke about Canadian people. I think yep. it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very, very safe. Also, as a country, if you travel like a few places around the world, it's a, pretty much everywhere in Canada is very safe. Uh, the outdoors, obviously, I'm a, I'm a big fan of cycling and in winter, I'm a, I'm a big hockey player. So this is, this is, I think this is appealing to my Canadian identity, but I'm very, very worried about the, the authoritarian trends right now about restricting freedom of speech, freedoms of movements, uh, like uh, some kind of Id- identity politics playing right now. I don't think that's Canadian. No, I agree 100%. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. that, it, was it Wilfrid Laurier that said that Canada has one religion, uh, has one religion and it's freedom or freedom, something like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. I like exactly. that. I like yeah, that. Yeah. You must bring like this, to me, like the early 20th century, end of end of 19th century, 20, beginning of 20th century, to me is the golden age of Canadian politics. Uh, Laurier, Henri Bourassa, all this, I mean, all the foundation of our, the great country were, were, were there. I mean, uh, there were debates. Uh, the, the parliament in the lower Canada was burned uh, pretty much in yeah, the corner of yeah. my house. So, <laughs> yeah, we have. Uh, we actually had uh, James Forbes on who, who was telling us how the parliament was burned down in Quebec. It's like, amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, 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 we had protests, uh, I think, a uh, few months back, and they actually built a fire right next to where the parliament built. And it was like, isn't it amazing? <laughs> <laughs> it's happening again. Well, but, but yeah. People didn't get the jokes. I didn't, they no, because <laughs> no, they don't yeah. know our history, right? Oh, yeah. 
That's well, it. anyway, so, I'm just like so grateful for you've just uh, run a master's class for us in, uh, in, in a lot of economic stuff for our listeners. So I'm very grateful. That's been awesome. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, <laughs> been great to be here and uh, I hope to contribute to the Canadian story. Uh, yeah, oh, you have. And uh, we, we hope to have you back. Unfortunately, we have another uh, a guest showing up, so we got to go here. But uh, thank you very much, sir. And uh, next time I'm in Montreal, let's get a let's grab a beer with Anthony. It's going to be it's <laughs> going to be legal, hopefully. So yeah, gonna go. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to The Canadian Story. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The Cad Story. That's The C.A.D. Story. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Let's work together to remind Canadians how great their country is.